over the course of human history. There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Well, the hot, sweltering heat has been a snap, but it could always rebound like a boomerang and come back. But it was a trying few days, not only for human beings before their four-legged family members, creatures, animals, critters, both indoors and outdoors and on the line to discuss it again, as she does each and every week with me, exclusive to WABC, the Animal Welfare Line. Uh, My gorgeous wife, Nancy, great animal rescuer and always thinking about animals first and foremost. Uh, How did the uh, animals make it through that uh, hot uh, span of four or five days, Nancy? Uh, well, you know, I, I think they made it through okay. Uh, I don't think it's the heat is done necessarily for the entire country, but at least in New York, the temperatures have dropped. But, I mean, it was brutal. It was rough. It was a rough couple of days, that's for sure. And just again, uh, so people know, because when they see animals outdoors, they assume they're not responsible. But when we go through this kind of torrential heat where it's nonstop, what can they do for animals who do live outdoors, who do not have the benefit of being in an air-conditioned home or apartment or place of business? Uh, I mean, I would think the, you know, I would say maybe like the first um, priority would be to have some form of water. So if you can provide, uh, you know, anything that's uh, a cool water source or, you know, just make sure that, you know, you're filling something up during the day in case it gets dehydrated. Uh, you know, that's usually the most important thing. I mean, when an animal, I mean, they can go a little bit longer without food. Obviously, it's not ideal, but, you know, dehydration is going to cause a lot of problems. So that's number one. Obviously, providing shade, you know, depending upon where you're living, if it's just a lot of sun, I mean, direct sunlight is going to be really, really ridiculous. So if there's any way you can provide some form of a shade, that's important. You know, you know, be mindful. If you see an animal that looks in distress, you know, try to help the animal in distress. Speaking of animals in distress, I'm distressed. I know you were distressed when we heard the news that the New York City Animal Care and Control Centers, which are the shelters, are now closed to taking cats in. And it couldn't come at a worse time, I would think, when you consider that for the many years of the lockdown and pandemic, Uh, There was a limited amount of interaction with feral cats, outdoor cats, to spade and neuter them. And now all of a sudden, they've closed the inn. It's almost like they're they're talking like Eric Adams says, there's no more room in the inn for the illegal aliens. What the hell are they talking about, Nancy? Yeah, uh, with with the unfortunate exception that when they run out of room, they just euthanize them. So that's coming down the pipeline, um, you know, unfortunately, first and foremost, because they have... What they're saying is that we're a critical capacity. Uh, we don't have any more space. You know, I mean, it, again, it, it goes to their fault. They need to aggressively adopt uh, these animals out. 
they don't have any, you know, their locations are horrible. They need to be the spokespeople for them, uh, for the animals. They're just sort of rolling with it. You know, they keep coming up with excuses. Oh, it's the, the people going back to work. It's a pandemic. Uh, you know, people can't afford food. Yeah, I understand that part. But they're saying at the same time that they offer, uh, we're still maintaining the, uh, the food services, the free food services. So, I mean, if that's the reason you're giving, then it wouldn't really make sense. But, again, unfortunately, you know, the time of the year now, you have kitten season. So you have a lot of people who are going to stumble upon kittens who, you know, have been born, something happened to the mother. Uh, you know, there's no real way for them to take care of them. They're doing what they think is the right thing. They're going to try to bring them down and be told, oh, we're not taking in kittens. So what that's going to lead to is people dumping them on the streets. So it's, I mean, overall, the only reason they get taxpayer funds is because they have one obligation, and that's to take in every animal that comes to them. So this should be the whole reason they should be defunded right here. This is amazing in that they're crying poverty. They're claiming that they have insufficient funding and they have overcrowded facilities. Let's deal with the nature of insufficient funding. It is a quasi-private government agency that is flush with millions and millions of dollars. What do they use all that money for? Uh, okay, well, you know, you, you look at the basic stuff they have besides the salaries, um, you know, and, and I don't mean, obviously, there's a ton of volunteers. It's not them. You have, um, you know, executive salary. A lot of money, believe it or not, is spent on um, the, the medications they use, the drugs they use for these animals. I mean, I can't tell you how often I've um, rescued a cat from the shelter, and, you know, within a period of three days, it's had 30 different drugs. I mean, that's one of the biggest contracts running through the animal care and control, and these are given to animals that are going to be euthanized as well, including spay and neuter surgery. They'll do that to an animal that's being euthanized. So medical services, including a lot of stuff that's not necessary, I'd say, is a big waste. And, you know, again, they don't aggressively try to adopt out these animals. It's not the right people for the job. And then they say they don't have enough space. Shame on them. They have a little hole in the wall, a closet, for an animal shelter in Staten Island with all the empty brick-and-mortar retail locations now, not just in Staten Island, but in Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Manhattan. I mean, sometimes 50% of the storefronts are empty. You can, they, they could get a sweetheart deal, put the dogs and the cats, have you suggested before, in the window, care for them in those facilities, and there would be people walking by whose children or grandchildren or grandparents or aunts or uncles or friends will want to adopt them. And you just make sure that they're capable of taking care of the cat or dog or other animal. And other than that, they'd be, they'd be sparing these animals and finding them a home of their own. Yeah, and to your point, like to say the facilities aren't large enough, I mean, the amount of cats that we're able to care for in a small space it's just it shows that they're not making use of the space. They have cages. You know, animals are held singularly. There's no attempt to socialize them, keep them comfortable. I mean, it's their fault that they're doing it the wrong way because Animal Care and Control is a management company hired to take care of them, and they're doing a bad job. That's why they need to be out. And uh, let me make mention, out of all the great ideas that you've come up with, I had a great conversation with Robert Holden, who is the city councilman, uh, who's running for re-election in the Middle Village, Glendale, Maspeth section of Queens. He's a Democrat. Uh, he has qualified to run on the animal welfare line. 
as has the candidate we're supporting in Astoria against Tiffany Caban. She's the Republican. Kelly Klingman, she's on the animal welfare line there. There are independent lines. First time they've ever existed anywhere in America. And August is going to be devoted to all kinds of animal welfare issues. We will be issuing a manifesto, a memorandum in which we're demanding that animal care and control do certain things with the millions of dollars. Just as a side note, as you know, Nancy, I was in Bay Ridge on Friday night in the hot, sweltering heat, walking the stroll, which was 3rd Avenue. They opened it up. The place was packed. I was uh, supporting the candidate, uh, Ari Kagan, who's a Democrat who's become a Republican against Justin Brandon, the Democrat who controls all the funding in City Hall, City Council. He's running again. He signed the sweetheart contract, a, a no-competitive-bid contract, for a facility in the Bronx, and how much did he give to that facility in our tax dollars? That's well, he, what exist? it is is he, he's really just um, like overseeing the fact that animal care and control was secured an additional uh, renewal contract for forty years. Like that's that's kind of the problem. I mean, you know, when you have people who are supposedly proponents for the animal cause, and then they're looking at these failed agencies and saying, oh, let's sign them up for, you know, a few decades more. I mean, that's not, that's not anyone who's examining the issue whatsoever. I mean, that's, that's completely absurd and ridiculous. And, again, he also should be holding the feet to the fire about the fact that there's supposed to be an animal welfare agency. I mean, that, again, that was demanded by people. People came out. They spoke about it. It's there. It exists. It's doing nothing. And he, so, control, I mean, he, control, he controls the money. He's just given them a 40-year contract. They're doing a lousy job. So typical of government, it's the Peter principle, do a lousy job, we kick you upstairs, and we give them even more money. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's not acceptable. I mean, this isn't a, a disagreement of opinion. Because of this, animals are being euthanized every day. So That's if you happen to be out there in Bay Ridge and Dyker Heights, do not vote for Justin Brand and the Democrat. Vote for Harry Kagan. In fact, I'll be at a fundraiser for him this Thursday at Gargiulio's on the 4th. Six o'clock to help him beat back Justin Brandon so that we can care properly for those animals who are forced to be temporarily in a shelter and incorporate a lot of the ideas that Nancy has come up with. And by the way, this month we'll be doing a number of updates and exposing the general public to how to make the system better, safer, more transparent and adopt out more unwanted animals so that they can have a home of their own. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. We have seen of late these incredible pictures of these magnificent creatures of God, these whales, circling in the water, almost making the sign of a heart, and then beaching themselves in incredible numbers it's almost like like we we learned as children when a elephant knows that its life will soon be short they walk off to the elephant's graveyard but this is like 60 70 80 whales simultaneously what is going on out there nancy yeah, you know, actually, what's what's kind of sad is I was I was looking into this story and I got it confused with another one because there's a similar thing that happened. But the story you're referring to is now this is uh, on the western shore of Australia, and it was roughly uh, maybe a total of ninety seven uh, ninety seven different whales 
that was it's like um, called like a mass stranding. So um, basically, what happens is. Uh, the, the whales get into a direction where they're, they're coming to the shore too much, and they're winding up on the shore. And because it was spotted so early on, uh, you know, they, they had like a very massive uh, effort to try and put, push them out to get them uh, to safety. But unfortunately, you know, it wasn't enough in the amount of time that they were out of the water. So uh, the, the few that were, um, you know, like still alive, they weren't able to save, and the remaining ones, they just had to mass euthanize. And this is on the, the tail end of another situation that just happened on the Western Shore in London, where 55 whales, um, you know, beached themselves as well. So this, and again, this phenomena of them uh, beaching themselves and having this lack of explanation, we're not sure why. Um, you know, w w it's not really clear, but, the, but what they're saying is that it's because they're such pack, uh, you know, type of creatures, that when the navigational systems are off, they'll just follow the pack. So, for instance, you know, all, all these, uh, the pups, I think they call them, they're following the, the mother who may have the navigational system, but no one's going to the heart of the problem. Why is their navigational system getting consistently messed up? Because this, this, um, this mass stranding is happening so consistently, and there's not that many whales. I mean, there, most of these whales that are, that are being stranded fall in endangered species. So this is a real problem, what's going on here. Yes. Yes, it is. And in fact, it seems to be the number one uh, issue that most of our callers have commented of late is the incredible number of beaches, excuse me, of uh, whales and also dolphins that have beached themselves, uh, apparently having lost their ability to navigate around inlets, uh, uh, waterways, uh, uh, all different kinds of places that they normally would have no problem in dealing with. And you have to, again, look back. The only thing that's changed is that not just here in the United States, but in a number of places around the world, they're beginning to put these windmills about anywhere from six miles offshore to 13 miles offshore to generate green energy. But they're not at all uh, willing to acknowledge that there may be a correlation here. They're unwilling, not just here, uh, with uh, Governor Murphy uh, in Jersey, with Governor Hochul in New York, but all over the world this is happening, and they're unwilling to make the connection. You know, and what's interesting is they were citing some of these reasons as to why it was difficult to help these, uh, you know, whales that had become stranded, and they're saying, oh the, oh, the amount of heavy machinery and the vessels in the water, it's making it difficult. Well, they can make that correlation, just not for that's the, the reason that they came on the shore in the first place. Now, might be a little good news here. Sublets in New York City are offering a great deal, but <laughs> with a catch, a willingness to catch. What does that mean? Okay, so, yeah, so basically, yeah, at, at this point, there's a number of people who are doing sublets. I'm sure people have seen sublets where, you know, it comes furnished. But now apparently there's a trend where sublets are coming with pets. And there's actual instructions that, you know, you're getting maybe like a discounted rent deal. But you have to, you know, as one of the conditions, take care of, you know, whatever the household pet is. So, like, as like a little funny example, right? So they had, like, in the... The South Slope, they had a one-bedroom for $1,500, which, which is a great deal, but it comes with two cats. And then in Greenpoint, they had a two-bedroom for 2800 
but it comes with two cats that have to be brushed one to two times a day. And then there was also a place in, um, on the Hudson, a three-bedroom lake house, and that was a more convenient situation because it's an outdoor cat, so you just have to feed the outdoor cats. Wow. So <laughs> you sublet apartments now, and instead of uh, the, uh, the person subletting to you, they say, hey, you know, you got to water the flower bed. Or... <laughs> it's like you got to take care of the cats. You know, and it's such a it's such a curious type of uh, way to think about it because I, you know I'm sure there are a lot of people who have temporary jobs where you know maybe they have to be away for a while. Dogs have a convenient sort of setup where kennels exist, but it's not the same for cats. So I and plus cats don't usually want to leave the home, so it makes a lot more sense to have someone come into the home and care for a cat. Now speaking of dogs. The president, once again, is mired in controversy because there's no doubt he loves German shepherds. He's had German shepherds most of his life. But he sort of has the same problem we saw with um, Andrew Cuomo, the governor, when he left uh, the governor's mansion uh, on Eagle Street and he left back the combination shepherd husky El Capitan we went to rescue El Capitan. Remember, we were right outside of the gates of the governor's mansion. He had already left for Fredo's compound in Southampton. And uh, remember, El Capitan was humping the leg of the black state trooper who was in the guard shack. Clearly, he had not been spaded and neutered and was very much like uh, uh, like uh, Andrew Cuomo himself, out of control, you know, in terms of being a lech. We were ready to take El Capitan. And remember what happened? That guy, Richie uh, Araposa, the uh, spokesperson for Governor Cuomo, called up the guard shack and said, no, a thousand times no. You're not to give that dog to Curtis Lewa. Uh, the, the governor will actually return. He drove all the way back from the Southamptons to uh, rescue, as they said, El Capitan from us. But I, I still think he hasn't spaded and neutered. El Capitan, he's a combination, again, husky German shepherd, because there are people in the Southamptons complaining <laughs> that the Cuomo dog starts dry-humping their leg. Well, what, what can be done for El Capitan? Uh, well, yeah, I definitely would suggest the uh, the spaying and neuter- spaying, neutering, I don't know, whatever has not been done, because that usually accounts for... Uh, behavior that people would consider annoying or aggressive, but it's just normal if they're not fixed. Um, yeah, and in terms of, like, the Biden dog, so now this is, like, the second dog they've had in their home, and it's uh, apparently so they're trying to really go out of their way to keep quiet how many people this dog has bitten, like, even now this second dog, um, which is, let's see, so, and, and what they, they have the uh, uh, Biden's wife is actually saying, well, don't, you know, this, it's an internal matter, and we're handling it. And, you know, they don't want to say how many people have brought complaints or that they've had to pay out because of these injuries. But it's some of the more ridiculous stuff, they said that um, some of the people had to walk around using steel carts to try and defend themselves from the dog. So apparently what happens is the shepherd starts biting people, but instead of doing something smart like muzzling the dog or maybe keeping it separate, they just let this dog roam free, and it's like, so it hasn't had any formal training, and they're not trying to do anything to restrain this dog. And clearly, you know, I mean, that's one of the biggest problems. If you don't have training for a dog, it's going to act like this. And then plus, you know, like, so, you know, some of these um, 
like experts, they were getting mad at him for saying, oh, well, it's just because he's nervous, he's stressed. It's like that's – it's not really – his fault about his behavior it's the owner's fault because they're not accommodating correctly for the dog so you know they're saying oh he's trying to pin it on the dog but it's really his fault i think there's a correlation the first major democrat to announce his support for then candidate joe biden who was running for the presidency in 2020 was andrew evilized cuomo uh, El Capitan was not neutered and spaded and is not now. He's been seen out in the Hamptons dry humping people uh, at every opportunity that he has. Is it conceivable that as much as Joe Biden likes German shepherds, and he does, that he hasn't had them spaded and neutered, and that's why they're nipping Secret Service agents? They took a chunk out of a Secret Service agent's army, had to be hospitalized, and others who come onto the White House lawn. Could it be he hasn't spaded and neutered them? You know what? It, it absolutely could because he clearly went out of his way. Like, you know, the White House went out of their way to some extent to make this whole big to-do about the fact that they had this dog and it was, I guess, maybe, I don't know if it was this one or the previous one, like some form of a rescue which to me meant, no, maybe they were going to be, um, you know, like championing a lot of animal rights things or at least some things for dogs, and they really just dropped the ball after they just introduced the dog, who now is quietly biting everybody. But that would make a lot of sense because that would have been a great opportunity for them to have promoted something like that. Oh, everyone should get their dogs fixed, and this will help. Like, I would think if the dog was fixed, they might have said that. So, yeah, that could be, uh, that could be a factor. Normally this does not affect women who have pets or animals, but men... I've run across many men, Nancy, when I mentioned, have you had your dog uh, spaded and neutered? No. It's almost as if they project that dog into being themselves. And I could easily see Andrew Cuomo, who considers himself to be the Italian stallion, and Joe Biden, who's been known to be a bit of a lech from time to time. I could easily see both of them projecting in this case, El Capitan, the husky German shepherd that uh, Cuomo took from us because we tried to rescue him from the governor's mansion when he was abandoned by Cuomo, who resigned, uh, and then also the shepherds of Joe Biden. I could easily see him at the age of 80 saying, no, they're not going to snip and nip and tuck me. I'm not going to let them do that to the German shepherd, you know, deprive him of his manhood. So, hey. Grow up, man up. If he bites you, so be it. Yeah, I mean, and this whole idea that you're you're sort of a uh, oh well, I'm trying to protect my my dog. Oh, you know, my dog. Like you, you they, I don't know. There is a mentality for some people where they think it, it's being kinder. Oh, I wouldn't want like almost like equating it to a person. Oh, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. But the, the way to explain it is, can you imagine like they can never for the whole rest of, for their entire life hook up? Like that sounds way more cruel than what they're thinking in their head. Like, it's a much kinder thing to fix them. Like, people don't get it. Who Like, people who don't get it, that's how it needs to explain to them. Now, also, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, was taking a victory lap with his uh, rat Zarina <laughs> and his sanitation commissioner, Tish, claiming that calls about rats have plummeted. He's taking a victory lap, you know, mission accomplished. He's doing what... Bush did with the Iraq war, uh, mission accomplished, and yet you and I, we've seen as many rats as we normally see. Yeah, and, and I'm not really sure how 
this particular stat he's so excited about is 20% less calls logged on 311. But, I mean, that's not to say they weren't just taken up by some other type of call. I mean, there's no real correlation because, like you said, I know that I don't see any difference whatsoever in the amount of constant garbage, like overflowing garbage on the streets. So, uh, you know, whatever these plans are that he's he's so excited about telling people put your garbage out a few hours later, apparently he doesn't walk around in the streets because it's all over the place, the garbage. Oh, we got to post that one picture in which you look at the sewer grade and every little hole in the sewer grade is occupied by a rat's head protruding from them looking up in the air because it's gone from being dark because they're nocturnal, to light. It's almost as if it's light, they tend to stay under the ground the moment it's dark because they're nocturnal. They're everywhere. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think anyone would say there's any difference whatsoever. I mean, again, in fact, I think there's more, um, you know, more of them around because I think maybe the weather, because it just got hotter quickly, it's there seems to be a lack of garbage collection everywhere in New York City. I don't know why, but it's everywhere. So, yeah, good luck with the rat stuff. Flotsam, jetsam, trash. <laughs> I mean, it's everywhere, and they're taking a victory lap because people have given up calling 311. Could it be that people have just given up calling because they know nothing's going to be done? <laughs> exactly. Our number is exactly. 1-800-848-9222. W-A-B-C. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. To the phones we go, uh, Nancy. Uh, let's go to Jimmy, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC. Jimmy. Hello, Mrs. Sliwa. I'm, I'm praying to God. I've been praying for you that you're feeling well. I know you were going through it. I'm an avid listener to WABC with Sid and everybody and your wonderful husband. And I really pray to God you're doing well. Oh, thank and you. And the other, oh, you're welcome, dear. The other thing is, um, I'm, my heart is broken for these whales. They're they're around for as long as uh, I think the Earth is around, and we're not knowing or hearing about it. But I do believe what your husband said that they're banging the ocean floor so loud to put these uh, windmills in, and they're doing explosions all around the world with this, and they don't know which way to go. They're act, they're absolutely, in my opinion swimming around in a frenzy, banging off one another, not knowing where to go. And isn't that terrible, though? We're, we're um, disturbing 
such a, a beautiful, beautiful creature. And one more other thing, Nancy, I need your help on this. I'm 60 years old. I live alone. I'm retired from the MTA, and I'm happy as a lark. And I walk two feet in one shoe with the Lord. Here's what happens. I lost my miracle, my cat, after having her 14 years, took her to the doctor. She was somewhat lethargic, and they said she has renal failure. So they wanted me to take her to a dialysis center in Jersey. I said, well, will that help her? And they said, well, it'll just prolong. To me, I felt like she would be suffering. And yeah. I am in like a mourning phase yeah. for the last four months. Mm-hmm. And everyone's telling me, get another cat. Get, and I feel I just can't do it. I almost had a nervous breakdown. I really sick, crying, you know, uh, and I don't know what to do. What would you advise me? Uh, 14 years and then a month later this she's not around anymore and i just i'm walking around sometimes talking to her and i just feel like she's here what can i do to help myself could you help me oh well yeah so i mean oh yeah so definitely in terms of you know maybe I, I wouldn't necessarily suggest getting the cat right away but maybe um doing something where you're even interacting or helping the cat in some way so like maybe if you were like fostering a cat or you like were going down to just like kind of uh, do anything where you're interacting with the animals because I think ultimately if you're a cat lover you're going to want to have another cat as a companion and you know the, I was actually thinking about this today but it's like that that feeling of being so sad about the loss of a pet it really is a personal feeling because at this point it's like obviously you know your, your cat is now at peace and it's like you feeling bad but there's like another cat out there who would benefit from your love so i mean that's one way to look at it it's like that's your feeling but you can still give so much love to another cat who's waiting for you um that's i would say that let's go to uh kurt who's also calling from staten island your turn to be heard here on the animal welfare edition at wabc kurt hi curtis um i wanted to say this i uh I acquired or adopted a dog about seven months ago. He was in an abusive situation. And uh, he's going to be three years old tomorrow. And um, what, what I wanted to say, I, just, I don't know why people beat up dogs, why they hit the dogs. They don't know what they're getting hit for. The uh, reason, I think... Uh, Kurt, it's the same way you see uh, domestic abusers. They might hit uh, their kids, they might hit their relatives, they might hit their wife. On some occasions, it could be the wife abusing the husband. Is that it's an easy person to take out your agita, your anger. So, for instance, we heard the old uh, tales that. Uh, a baseball player. They used to say about Paul O'Neill. You know, you knew Paul O'Neill, right, Nancy? You used yeah, to go, yeah, yeah. And you know how angry he'd get. Yes, uh, yes. He'd take the baseball bat, he'd bust the water cooler, he'd break the bat, and people would comment, gee whiz, if I, I were a dog in his house, I'd be hiding when he got home. It seems to be, for some, they take out their frustrations, especially on a dog. It's kind of hard for a dog to hide. It's a lot easier for a cat to hide. But I've, I've experienced that. They've been drinking or they're a little angry. And right away, they'll smack the dog around or they'll kick the dog. You know, like I said, it's, it's so beyond me to, like, understand how anyone does that to an animal whatsoever. Um, and, like, to your point, yeah, that sort of displaced anger. 
um, yeah, I mean, look, let's face it, someone is feeling bad, they're feeling down, and the the whole world's, like, looking at them funny, and then maybe it's like they come home and they think their dog's looking at them the same way. Like, it's just something wrong in someone's head because clearly that's so abnormal. I mean, because they're they're just so forgiving. Even people who will do that to them, they'll still come back to them and show them affection and love. So, you know, it, again, it just, it, it's just some, something wrong with people's head. I, I, that's something that needs to be examined a lot more. And maybe if it was, we would have a lot less of it in society. Let's go to William calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC. William. Yes, good evening, uh, Nancy and Curtis. I just want to say this. I praise the rats. I'm a part of them, the rats, the cats, because these people, the humans, are lazy to clean up garbage. We have more diseases out here. And on top of that, hey, how do we know we're not eating these rats or whatever or cats within the Food and Drug Administration? We, you know, that's what I'm going to leave y'all with. I love y'all. Have a wonderful weekend, okay? All right. <laughs> we, we 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 definitely are right because there's a the FDA has a, the permissible amounts of like rat droppings and rat hairs and food so we actually are eating rats already. Let's go to Michael in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC. Mike, Curtis, I have read on my phone that two organizations are suing Governor Phil Murphy and his EPA. Well, they should. I, I got to tell you, Mike. Uh, over the whales and dolphins. Yeah. These uh, animals have nowhere to go. Their their uh, migration has been wrecked. They're hurting themselves. They're killing themselves. And it's all because of these stupid, idiotic windmills they're putting up. Well, I will tell you, Michael, it's very simple. Uh, Governor Murphy has been asked to just temporarily suspend the issuing of permits so that they can uh, anchor these huge windmills offshore, which requires blasting on the ocean surface and then also using sonar to find the right places. A simple period of time, six months, suspend the operations. Uh, Let's do a deep dive. Let's do a study Let's bring in experts, wildlife experts who uh, have studied whales and their movements and dolphins and then try to figure it out. But Nancy, he refuses stubbornly to do it. Hochul won't do it. Uh, We see leaders around the world too interested in getting the kickbacks from the corporations that are more than happy to pay off to get the contracts. We know how that works out. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, the the people who are in a position of power right now, why would they possibly say, oh, let me take a a moratorium and see what's going on and maybe give someone else down the road after I'm out of office the chance to get this a kickback? So, yeah, they're going to take it right now because they can take it. Yeah, it's it's complete corruption. Let's go to Morty in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC. Morty. Hey, Curtis. Uh, How you doing? Hope you're doing all right. I just wanted to um, just wanted to say that my uh, you know I really empathize with that uh, previous caller a couple callers ago that uh, his cat passed away. You know, Um, I'm a dog person. My dog passed away. He was the oldest living Bernese Mountain Dog that we had. He was seven years old, um, and I remember each and every one of my dogs. Um, and you know, they don't live very long. That's the that's the one flaw about them. They're gentle giants, but they don't live very long. But um, you know, yes, getting a new animal 
is great, and and for me at least, it's it's not like a replacement. It's just an addition. Um, and um, yeah, you know they're 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 awesome. They're great. I love I love this new puppy. You know, with all my heart, I think it's a gift from God. And um, yeah, you know, look, hopefully, uh, you know, at the end of it all, we all get reunited with our friends at the end, right? All of them. Yeah, well, critter heaven. I mean, uh, people have uh, viewed. Uh, that when their dogs or cats or other animals pass to the hereafter, they seem to be a trail, Nancy, uh, yeah. as they cross over the rainbow, the rainbow bridge to uh, the <laughs> afterlife. Yes. And that they will be waiting for us. Uh, uh, obviously, if you've been abusive to your pets, you ain't going up there. You're yeah, going we, to... we, we might need a bigger place, Curtis. Yeah, you're going straight to hell without an asbestos suit. That's for, uh, for there's a special place in hell for people uh, who are abusive to animals. Because, again, study after study indicates if a person has grown up and they show tendencies of being abusive, even to insects, and then work their way up the uh, chain to animals, there's a very good likelihood they're going to be abusive to their loved ones, uh, to uh, their co-workers, to citizens in the streets, because they develop that clockwork orange mentality. And it oftentimes starts with torturing and killing and mutilating animals. Yeah, I mean, especially if you see it in younger people. I mean, that's when you really want to attack it before, you know, the person has wait, has uh, too much time to develop these traits further in society. Because, again, you, you know, as soon as you see these things, this idea of, um, you know, oh, a slap on the wrist, oh, it's no big deal. Well, these people continue to go on in society and usually commit worse crimes. Let's go to Al in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Al. Yeah, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I had a question for Nancy regarding I've been feeding a homeless cat around the Port Authority construction site and probably for the last three to five months. And I know he's coming out because I see him a few times, and he's eating the food and everything. I leave food and water every night. But I'm trying to, you know, befriend him so I can, you know, hopefully, like, adopt him. And and I'm wondering if you had any pointers because, you know, I don't want to spook him, you know, get him traumatized. So I'm just trying to ease little by little to, you know, make him feel comfortable. Yeah, um, okay, so, again, right, depending upon, I mean, it may be a possibility that, you know, obviously that's always a goal, right, if you can potentially rehome them. Um, And it could be, you know, if if the cat's coming up to you, it may be, you know, it's already friendly enough where that's a possibility. I would say, you know, the more stuff I do is usually I try to spend as much time as I can with them during the time. So if you're doing, like, the feeding, um, you know, like I would, like, sit down on the ground and things like that. And, like, I'll just, you know, if I had something I had to do, I'd bring it. Like, I'll just spend a little time with them. And then if you have a carrier, you can slowly start bringing the little carrier with you. And, like, no big deal. Just, like, leave it sitting next to you as you're, like, you know, spending a few minutes. And the cat might get, you know, a little curious. And, you know, you may just have the cat start sniffing around where it becomes easy like that. Let's go to Gary and Inwood. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gary. Good evening, guys. A uh, question with, uh, with Biden with that German Shepherd. If that dog had been trained properly, that situation would have never occurred. So the bottom line is that dog has to be retrained. wasn't done right in the first place. That's the only way that situation happened. My yeah. cousin, the police officer in New York. I've run across many people, uh, Nancy, who are dog lovers, and they take good care of their animals. 
but they leave one element out, and that is the training of the dog, especially when they're a bigger dog, like uh, if they had a Doberman, if they had a Shepherd, a Pitbull Terrier, a Rottweiler, you know, dogs that are pretty fierce to begin with. And for some reason, just because the dog gets along with them, they don't realize that the dog eventually has to integrate itself in society with other people who may be coming in or even other animals. Yeah, there, there definitely is a, a very, you know, like a very specific element of having to train bigger dogs and when they are around people. So if you have any instances like this, and again, it's true, like a, a dog would be trained by a, like a singular owner. That's kind of where it starts. I think the problem is, you know, Biden's presenting it, oh, this is our dog, our family dog. But it's really not. I mean, he's not really the one around the dog. So at a minimum, this dog doesn't have an actual singular owner that it can look to for guidance. That's a problem. Let's go to Joe in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Giuseppe. Uh, hi. Yeah, on the whales, the navigation system, a couple of things I want to bring up. First is uh, you're hearing that there has been more of those quarter-size uh, jellyfish at the shore irritating and stinging the swimmers, and they theorized that the whales had been gobbling them up. That's why there's more of them. And then if you look at navigation systems of animals, uh, feral dogs have been known to learn how to ride the subways in London. And even if you're riding a horse in the woods on a, on a trail, you're relying on the horse's ability to navigate those, those particular uh, trails to a degree. No, there's no doubt about it, Joe, and uh, all we're suggesting, like so many, because people like Murphy and Hochul, they're trying to say it's political. It's Republicans who are trying to stop the windmills because most of them are not for green energy. Well, I'm for green energy, uh, but I can see a correlation here that in the in, in implanting of these huge towers in the surface, not the surface, but in the uh, the ocean's bottom, uh, which requires dynamite charges and sonar finding the right spots, that if it's altering the navigational systems of these sea creatures, well, we got to stop and we got to study that. It has nothing to do with politics. It, everything nowadays, people want to divide according to political lines. And I've, I've detected, Nancy, that there are a lot of people, it doesn't matter if they're Republicans or Democrats or apolitical, are very concerned about the dolphins and the whales and want a temporary suspension of further construction until... Oh, I mean, yeah. And, you know, and, and, and the thing with the, with the interruption of these migratory patterns, the speed with which they're doing all of this development, to think that, um, you know, th these migration patterns can change so quickly is ridiculous. It's, you know, like I, I think of it in my head as like, you know, imagine you take a a route to work every day and you'd always take a bridge and all of a sudden like the bridge is just gone. Like to think that they can figure out quickly where to go and how they're going to get there makes no sense. They're mid-migration. So they're not, they're doing this so quickly and they're seeing the effects of it. And to your point, they're not stopping it. Let's go to Andrew in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Andy. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, um, like you said, hopefully you get to see your pets in heaven. And uh, But you remember the Twilight Zone, it was the old man who passes away, and he doesn't realize that he's dead at first, and he has his hound dog, 
like he's trying to save his coon hound and the coon hound drowns or the guy he thinks the raccoon's going to harm his dog and then he thinks he's at the pearly gates and it's really the devil that's trying to trick him and he's saying oh you can't bring a dog into heaven and the old man's like well if if heaven's too high fluting for rex then it's too good for me <laughs> like it was just so oh that's sweet. a great i, I that. never saw that episode i love that show <laughs> Oh, which, it was a which, great. It which, was a great one. Which episode and is it, Andrew? Which episode? It's you... an old. It's like an old country guy, and he takes his hound dog who goes after a raccoon, and the old man's like, "Don't go after that coon. He's gonna drown you there, Rex." And he runs in to save the dog and slips and hits his head, and he oh, dies. Wow. And he doesn't know that he's dead. He's wandering. He's like a ghost, but he doesn't realize it. But then he realizes he sees his funeral he realizes he's dead and then this slick guy at the gate is like telling him you know just come through and you'll be in heaven and the dog that's the scene that the dog protects him from the devil guy and the dog's freaking out barking and it's like then rod sterling at the end he's like always bring your your neighborhood dog to protect you <laughs> like that was the theme that the dog knew that the guy was really an imposter those are good morals that you great. can yeah that's a I, great I, one i, I like be- that <laughs> i believe for those that uh, are interested in watching that episode the great rod sterling's episodes uh, incredible so many years after i mean we're talking 60 years after they were made uh, it's called the hunt Oh, nice. So we have to watch that. Oh, well, definitely, definitely. That, I mean, I, I have yet to ever see an episode of The Twilight Zone that left me wanting more. Yeah, no, that's a great show. <laughs> All right, we'll take one more call here. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Tony, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tone. Curtis, I believe uh, you were right about holding off on the whales. And I'll give you an example of... In the 1970s, they were going to build the Alaskan pipeline, and the environmentalists uh, fought the government to stop it, and they did for, I think, about 10 or 15 years. Within that time period, they studied the pipeline and the environment up to Alaska, and they found a lot of flaws in that time period, and they, they, they didn't know about permafrost, and they didn't know about the different earthquake zones. And, and the caribou herds, but they after studying this for 15 years, they put all these uh, ideas into action on this pipeline, and and today it's one of the safest oil pipelines in, in the world. So I think you're right about holding off. Yeah, all on we're the, on the all, all we're saying is because it's the largest creature in the world. Everybody loves whales. I mean, everybody. You take a child out, the first time they see a whale, they, they go ga-ga-goo-goo. Everybody loves whales. And for the purpose of finding out what's happening to these creatures and the dolphins, just to suspend giving permits and allowing for the explosions by dynamite and the sonar to find the proper location – the green energy isn't going anywhere. The windmills aren't going anywhere. As Tony points out, it may actually improve the methods that they use for putting those stanchions in and then putting up the windmills. Yeah, and the the, the bigger thing here, unfortunately, is that it's the incredibly horrible contracts that the, the U.S. government has made. By, by having this rush to try and do this, 
they've actually gone against their own standards of environmental conservation. They're going in knowing that they're violating their own standards and then wondering why they're winding up dead. They know what's going on. Now, if anybody is interested in getting further information from you, Nancy, on animal welfare issues, how might they do that? Uh, Well, you can visit uh, guardianangels.org and the Animal Protection tab, or you can email me directly, nancy at guardianangels.org. And if you have any animal welfare issues, I've been at a number of the demonstrations against the tent city they want to put up for the illegal aliens at Creedmoor. Uh, We'll be at a demonstration tomorrow uh, for the same purpose. Nancy will be joining me. It's at uh, 1 o'clock. It's on the corner of 73rd Avenue and Bell Boulevard outside of the offices of the city councilwoman, Linda Lee, who is uh, is doing nothing to stop it. So we'll be out there. And so if you have questions for Nancy, don't ask me. Ask the woman who knows all about the animal welfare issues. She'll be with me side by side tomorrow. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.